Good evening, morning, afternoon, night, whenever you find it most convenient to listen to the Men in Red 97 podcast. As always, I am Alan, the poll with a goal, and that goal is to get my voice rested after what was an incredible night at Soldier Field last night. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, DJ. That was fun from a thousand miles away. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Tim. That was fun from the seats in Soldier Field. And our editor-in-chief and beat reporter, Alex. That was fun from up in the press box. Yeah. And for me, it, that was fun from the first row of Section 124 with the barn burners. You made the promo materials after the hey. game. Yeah, you were like you were featured in the video that the, that the team and other sources have put out. Oh, Front row that, supporters man. section, yeah. I should, I, this, I'll look for that. Eli even made a video with you in it. Oh, that one. Yeah. It was yeah. like, it was after, it was right after the fourth goal. I'm holding the Chicago flag and I was like, yeah, just yelling out. Oh, my days. That was so much. That was just so much fun. One thing I want to quickly shout out is thank you, Football Miami, for having me on their live preview show. So if any of you guys are listening from there, welcome. Welcome along. And also, we wanted to throw this out because this happened right before we hit record. Uh, the Chicago Bears announced that. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer Dick Butkus has passed away at age 80. He died in his sleep peacefully in his home in Malibu, California. So thoughts and prayers go out to his family as well as the rest of the Bears organization. It's a shame that happened right before uh, we were recording because we have a lot of good things to talk about. Of course, in front of an absolute sold-out crowd, 62,124 people present at the lakefront witnessed a 4-1 fire victory. Three points at home. We are back in a postseason spot. How did that feel with 62K people in that stadium? I mean, I the, the atmosphere was electric. I, I think it was electric. You could tell the supporters section, to be honest, there were more supporters there and there were some old timers that we haven't seen in a while that were there doing the march but it's not like the there were radically that many more it was more just everyone that could be there was there so it was a fuller rank than normal but you could just tell the vibe going into the stadium everyone had so much energy everyone was just feeling it it just felt like a special night from before anything happened and and the, like credit to the team for like really pulling out all the stops to try to make it a good and fun night for like for the supporters, for the fire diehards, as well as just for casual people that wanted to have a good night out on the lake. Yeah, I mean, it was just really walking into the stadium, seeing people in the upper deck. When you step into the press box and look across and see people in that top section of Soldier Field, that was already like a crazy sight to me because even for the Chelsea Dortmund game, we were 48,000 fans. There weren't people in that section. When the game's actually going on, you see the whole thing full of people. It's sensory overload. I've never seen that for a soccer game at Soldier Field since the Gold Cup final four years ago, which is not a very pleasant memory, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, I still have some beer that I need to get out of the USMNT jersey yeah. that I was wearing at that game that was tossed on me from someone else. And uh, full press box, media, every media outlet you can imagine, every seat taken. It was awesome. So if um, Alex leaves us for a job at Us Weekly, we have Lionel Messi to blame because uh, that's the only way that that connection ever happened. Yeah. DJ, how was it from uh, the TV box? So from 
it, it just looked, I posted this on Twitter, it looked like a fun game. It looked amazing. It sounded amazing. It was, there are a few games in Fire History that I would compare it to that I got to watch live. Seattle 2017, and I think it was the Ray All Salt Lake game last year, I think, or was it the year before, where Baird, 2021. I, it's, it's uh, I, I know which one you're talking about, 21. Yeah. And I mentioned it on the last podcast, the one against Real Salt Lake, where Robert Baird scored the lone winner. And uh, I believe Tyrus brought this up. This is what the very first game back at Soldier Field should have been. Because that was, if I remember correctly, a 4-0 victory against Cincinnati. Um, so it would have been a very similar spectacle as well. Um, unfortunately, you know, COVID was a thing. So, yeah. And then from the supporters section, it was loud. You know, it was, and it was bumping. Um, we broke two drumsticks as well as a drum head. So we truly were going ham over ham. And of course, what was... Uh, you know, what was interesting is that this was, of course, a full stadium with no Messi present. Um, he, we originally thought he was at least like on the plane to Chicago. May, we, I was thinking, you know, maybe he'd be like a hello, I'm over here. Um, but no, there was no signs of him in anything. We had a lot of other celebrities, including my favorite White Sox player, Liam Hendricks. He was there as well as Coach Beard. Uh, he was there as well. And he is also officially a barn burner. Yeah. Brandon Hunt, it was good to see him in the audience. He's talked about the fire before, like being a fire fan a little bit back in the day when he was a kid, but not being able to get to many games just with what was going on in his life. So that's it was cool to see him back. Yeah. And of course, with the performance that happened, we've sat, we have four people included in the MLS team of the match week. Uh, Frankie Klopas was the coach of the match week. In the starting 11, we had Shakiri as well as Marin Halasalase and Gaston Jimenez on the bench. So let's talk a bit about the game. Uh, first half, uh, you know, the crowd was still there, um, even though there was no Messi. Um, we, I was a little bit surprised. That I guess I think I was expecting what we were mentioning against NYCFC in Fort Lauderdale, that a lot of people would just start leaving the moment they realized that Messi was not there. We didn't really see that. No, people stuck around, which is, again, something that, you know, you made the point when you're on the that show with the, the Miami people that, like, it's not so much that there are Miami fans. There are people that want to see Lionel Messi, and they may not even be Lionel Messi fans. They're just people that want to see Lionel Messi, and if he's not there, they will leave. And then there's people that are soccer fans, and they may be wearing a Messi jersey, but to be honest, they're more sort of neutrals than anything else. And I think that's what we saw throughout the course of the game, where like a lot of them stayed, and they were watching the game, and they were, I mean, sometimes cheering a little bit for both sides, but I mean, I think it's okay to just like want to see some entertainment. Um, but it was good to see all those people in the seats. Um, I, I thought the team distributed 40,000 LED bracelets, which... Uh, I think kind of like did at some points give like a little bit of like a different feel to a game than most it. I was afraid they were going to have the lights dimmed for parts when the game wasn't actually being played. And that would make it feel more like a concert that didn't end up happening. Um, and I just, I mean, I just thought it was a really, I mean, to be honest, a really good crowd. Like the crowd was watching the game, which I did not necessarily know was going to be a given. Yeah, no. And uh, the bracelets, in my opinion, they, they didn't emanate too much light. They were a little, 
little bit of flashies of depending on what was going on in the moment. One thing I did notice is that they did w- they would all flash yellow whenever there's a yellow card presented, you know. Right. So I think that was kind of cool. Um, but it wasn't distracting um, at all. I saw a lot of people leaving with like a ton on one arm. So I guess they would just yoink it from like the other seats or just people that left them. So that was pretty funny. In terms of highlights that happened on the pitch, there's really only two that come to mind. That is, um, I believe in the 15th minute, there was a corner for the fire and there was a lot of, there was a bit of ping pong going on in front of the goal. Uh, In the end, Herbers uh, boots it over the bar. And that was sort of like the first real uh, promising attacking moment. That we for saw either that team at that point. Yeah. I, need, for I need to team. give a lot of credit where it's due to Benjamin Kramoski there with the goal line clearance. Because as much as he's been really enjoying the hype, thanks to Messi, thanks to the Inter-Miami trend right now, thanks to the Inter-Miami bandwagon, and he's been riding that a lot, he actually played a pretty good game. I thought he was probably Miami's best player, Kramoski, and that, that block to prevent Herbers from giving the fire the early goal, that was really impressive. The guy, for a guy that I think that we've talked about this, Alex, like he was not anyone's, like on anyone's list of like highly rated prospects for a long time. And he started to be a much better player. And I think that that's one of the things that we've kind of seen from Miami. And I think that that's largely like Chris Henderson being surgical about the people that stuck around and that didn't in that transition, um, realizing that there was potential in him and that like he could start to grow in the right atmosphere. And that's what we've seen. Mm. Um, but you know, it. to be honest, like, it was another game, like, Miami dominated possession throughout the game. I thought that was probably something that Klopas was perfectly fine with, with the game plan. I think that the idea was to kind of, like, sit and let Miami have, like, a messy list Miami have the ball and try to see what they can do without a real number 10. Because um, they really didn't have a lot of chances in in either half. I mean, especially in the first half. Like, I think that there was, like, what was it like the twenty third minute when? No, there was that ball over the top to Yedlin. That was a really good sequence, and obviously Rafa cleaned it up. Brady made that block on the initial ball from Yedlin, but that was a good sequence. That was really their best chance of the first half. Um, yeah, I thought and- the first half of Miami maybe had the better quality of chances in the fire, but the fire had more quantity and were really the better team. Yeah, we had and the fire had some decent quality chances too. Like they were close on a couple of things. It was just yeah, that final touch and that final ball. Herbers almost scored, but. At the end of the day, I mean, you go into the half, I mean, maybe both teams could have felt like they should have been in the lead. So I think being tied at halftime was fair. 0-0, yes, there are no goals, but it was a really, really exciting, entertaining first half. It was another, it was another first half that was incredibly long as well. Like, it was another one where, like, by 30 minutes in, I was like, man, it feels like it should have already been halftime. But yeah, no, we had eight shots. There was on- no stoppage time, too. That's, so that's- true. That's yeah, really yeah. impressive. We had eight it shots, was incredible, yeah. yeah. Eight shots, two on target compared to 2-1-1. One, one. Um, so, yeah, even though they did have what seemed to be maybe like the better of the two, um, we had a lot more. And I felt like that was, you know, that was pretty cool nonetheless. Um, we had a little... The other thing about that, like, t- to be honest, like, it felt like the fire had some sustained pressure Miami had more of it but it I mean it really wasn't like running over anything with with anyone and the other crazy thing like have the fire had that many corners like this season it just seemed like there was a corner every minute yeah and it 
the delivery was good too by Shakiri. I'm not gonna lie, and Guti's as well from the other side. I mean, I can't believe it took them this long to figure out that um, Shakiri should be taking corners with his left and Guti with his right. They finally seem to have figured that out instead of Shakiri like, corner. I literally was like, "Oh my goodness, this is a coming to Jesus moment!" Like they, they like they finally understand that Shakiri can't take every corner on both sides. Oh yeah, it, but, I mean, hey, there's yeah. a lot of things that it's taken a, a hot minute for this team to figure out. Um, one thing that I'll definitely mention once we talk a bit more in the second half. Um, and like you mentioned, this is a thing that I've we've noticed against Red Bull. This is one where, of course, we were comfortable with letting the other team get possession, or as I like to call it, we overfed them with possession. They had the ball for a while. They had they looked a bit more dangerous with the ball in terms of the final third than what Red Bull was showing in Harrison. Um, but well, they have a Joseph Martinez. That is true. Well, I mean, exactly distinctively the, the Red Bulls do not. I know. Yeah. That's the point I was trying to kind of make. But we were still at that point comfortable in letting them have a bit more possession. And in that second half, we were really able to, you know, execute something when just like in the first, uh, just like in the second half against Red Bull, we executed on their mistake. So, yeah. Um, there was a little bit of a halftime show featuring um this 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 guy from chicago that makes songs um i i thought he did great with the banjo that i i i have nothing to say i low-key did not pay attention to it i think it was a I, bit it was i thought that was a, i mean i thought it was a great great touch i mean obviously uh, putting a halftime show on a soccer game is not a normal thing Mm-hmm. especially not a regular season game. But they actually went out and got a pretty good artist. They didn't I mean, go out and get is, some no name. They got a really good rapper, Lil Durk. And someone, yeah, Lil Durk. in Chicago tonight as well, by the way, that we're recording this. So that it just worked out really well for that. And he was at a fire game earlier in the year too. Um, and and I mean, well, I mean, you get seven minutes to do a halftime show and, I think the crowd loved him. At, the, at least the younger people in the crowd. I, I, I loved it for one. I was sticking my phone out the window to record it. All the other people in the press box, 10 years older than me, were a little confused. But no, I was enjoying it. I actually met him before the game very briefly. So that's my flex of the day. But no, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. And I mean, it was a, like they got literally, I mean, out of current artists with a Chicago connection, because he's Lil Durk is from Chicago. Like, it is really the biggest name you could possibly get, you know, like they got the biggest artist that is currently touring from Chicago. I mean, I guess Eddie Vedder is sort of touring a little bit, but I don't think that that's really like the same, like the same scale at this point, to be honest. So, you know, that, that was not an easier automatic get for the team and they went out and did it, which again, just shows like they were pulling at literally all the stops for this. Yeah. I guess that's just something that I don't really take that much of an interest to. It's something that I usually criticize when it comes to events like the Super Bowl or like any like the finals that have like halftime performances. I personally am not one that takes much interest into it. So, you know, that's just me. But if I was openly critical of the idea before, like I I thought it was a terrible idea because it distracts from the spectacle on the pitch. We're trying to make a spectacle elsewhere. Mm -hmm. In the end, I don't think I mean. I know people that didn't even know that it happened because they were like going and like waiting in line to get concessions or go to the restroom. Or yeah, something that's what usually like I it, do. 
Right. Like it's, it's so it really was a non-factor except for the people that liked it. And and if you didn't like it, just, you know, go and get a pretzel, like, you know, <laughs> go and get some they, they did, Exactly. They, the team did what they did, what they possibly could to make it a good environment for people that are at the game for somewhat different reasons. And that's a great way to convince them that you're there to make a product that they want to do. And I, I, I think that I have to say like, that's something that they did a pretty good job with. And, I talked to someone before the game, actually, who was not a soccer fan. They were at the game because they were invited because of the big spectacle, I guess, because of Messi, because it's Inter-Miami. Um, they're not a soccer fan at all. Not even really a sports person. I told them who was going to be performing at halftime. And then they got really excited. And uh, they loved the performance as well. So, obviously, maybe for... The majority of our listeners were already really big soccer fans. It might seem odd to have a halftime show, but for the people who are newer to the sport, that's a really cool thing because, again, like Tim said, he's one of the most famous currently touring artists from Chicago, and uh, it was entertaining as well. It was. For, I mean, yeah, I guess that's something. I'm just used to the people that are in Soldier Field already being there for the fire. So, of course, we had a ton of people that were there, maybe not exactly just for the fire and for other reasons. So, yeah. So, you know, kudos to the fire for pulling all, all the stops, even especially when it comes to the ticket um, thing. You know, um, Eli Lester this week of MLS, he mentioned that he was like, you know, I feel bad for Chicago because of like the whole oh, Messi was supposed to be there, but he's not, and like, they're offering the refund, and I immediately messaged him after the game, don't feel bad for this. We did it. Oh, it went as well as it possibly, like, literally, the best possible scenario was you beat Miami with Messi. The second best scenario was you destroy Miami without Messi. And that's right. what we got. But and when and the other thing is... The second half now. Yeah, last thing about the atmosphere, I, I think that it, like, to be honest... It, it had a festive atmosphere. Like, I don't know if anyone's been to a World Cup game, but like it had that sort of an atmosphere around it where, yes, there is a serious game that's going to be going on, but it's also just a party and it had a party atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think MLS regular season's really a higher plateau than the World Cup. So if it's okay there, it's probably okay here. Yep. So moving on to the second half was where all the action took place and very in very similar fashion. This is... In fact, where we see the best out of the fire, and that's through the entire season, even when goals aren't exactly scored or there really aren't too many good chances, this is where the fire do best. And that is when Brian Gutierrez makes the through ball pass from the middle and the attack moves forward. We had Johnny Dean running on the right side who provided the ball to the box to Fabian Herbers, slipped it through. It went right behind Kutsias and Sergio Busquets to a wide Open Jordan Shakiri, who with his left foot put it past the Miami keeper, and it's one nil fire. And one thing that I want to say about this goal and pretty much all the goals, this is something that we've seen incredibly different from this game in comparison to other games. When the fire go on attack, there's maybe like one other, like the person that's actually moving forward with the ball, usually on the right or the left side. And then there's like maybe one other person. We had three people on the attack, moving forward along with Johnny Dean. We had, you know, Kutsias going up there, uh, Shakiri was up there, Fabi was up there, and they all did their part. And that is what really contributed to the fact that the Fire actually scored goals this game. The fact that not only 
are we running the ball into the attacking third as we normally do? There was, there was support. People actually there to help one another and get the ball into the back of the net. And that was a difference from the first half where you would have like Kutsias would be the lone person crashing into the net and no one else was there in support. Or Fabian Herbers would make a cross and there really wouldn't be a, a great target for it. And so it, it did seem like that was like a halftime adjustment that Frank Lopez made and it, it clearly worked out. Mm-hmm. Look, Jordan Shakiri, we know, I mean, all of us have had our fair share of complaints with him in his two years in Chicago now, coming up on two full years. But what has he been in his whole career? Big game player. This is the biggest game that's going to come for the fire in a regular season game. And honestly, Drake Callender, bless his heart, great dude, really good up-and-coming goalkeeper. But before the ball even reached Shakiri, you knew he was going to finish that. He was not... He was not going to miss. Ball falls to his foot, back of the net, one nil fire, what a moment. And, and you could uh, just tell, like, it was that kind of a game for Shakiri. Like, even in the first half, you could tell. And I think that, you know, the last game as well, like, he has been very active and, like, just his off ball movements and stuff have had a different level of intensity than we've seen from him in a while. That's, and that's another thing I've mentioned with the Football Miami. I mentioned your article, Alex that Shakiri shows up for big games. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, and, you know, the other thing, Fabian Herbert's got the assist on this goal, but, you know, it's this is the kind of thing that's never going to be recognized in a score sheet. But part of the reason why is Kutsias was crashing into the box and he pulled four Miami players with him, which is what gave Zerdan Shakiri Including Sergio Busquets. Yes, including... Zerdan Shakiri wide open on the left yes. side. One of the best defenders that has been active in the game over the past like decade or so. And he just like Shakiri had enough space where like he could have started a cattle ranch around the goal. Like he had nothing but room. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the second goal of the game, which was the lone Miami goal. Uh, the ball was moved in to the right side of the box. Uh, there was sort of, I think it was like a more of a poor shot. Uh, Johnny Dean was caught off guard he slipped and fell he was keeping his balance on the pitch with his right arm the moment which where the ball was basically shot into his arm and called handball which it's an important I don't know how you feel about this Alex I, I think that's some column A column B um, I, you know when I rewatched and heard Taylor's Taylor's Holman's commentary on it I think that he more or less had it right where Dean knew that he needed to do what he could do to make his body as big as possible in front of the net. He was not deliberately trying to like punch the ball away. Like he didn't think that this is a volleyball game. Um, he was just trying to get his body into a position where it would take up as much possible space between the ball and the net. And I, he did I that. I will say, I don't think it was entirely intentional, but at the same time, I do think if it was a little bit closer to the goal, you're maybe talking about a red card for the denial of a goal scoring opportunity. And if his arm had moved even a little bit differently, so it looked more like a punch rather than you're raising your arm. It, it was right. close. And I, I do think that this is one of those things where, you know, he hasn't played a, exactly a ton of minutes in a league with, with VAR. And I think that he's still kind of adjusting to that because, mm-hmm. you know, his previous seasons have not been in a league where anything like that would be reviewed. And it's a lot easier to get away with stuff like that. And also I don't, I want to ensure that this isn't the only time we mentioned Jonathan Dean, because other than that one blip, he was absolutely lights out. I want to make sure he gets credit for that. 
because even though he wasn't directly involved that much in the attack, though he was a little bit, he was amazing. Other than that one handball that was Joseph Martinez penalty, which when Joseph Martinez steps up, he doesn't miss. So I'm not mad about that at all. Nothing Chris Brady could have done, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you're right. Like Dean had an absolutely lights out night and he, on top of that, he started the last podcast. I said that like all of his touches were basically right on the touchline and he was basically being used almost like a reflector to like get the ball from like position A to position B off the touchline. He was coming in a little bit more this time, which was really good to see. And on top of that, like there were some on ball movements that he did. Like he did this like nice little, like sort of like twist around play earlier. I want to say it's like the 19th minute or something like his game has come along so far and it's, it's improved rapidly too. So it, I mean, and it's just been like every game that he's had over the past, you know, month or so has been better than the last, which is just phenomenal to see. He's the reason why 62,000 people showed up. It wasn't for Messi. It was for Johnny Dean. That's, that's what I'm going to go ahead and say. And And the Herald's kit. Yes. (laughs) And the Herald's kit. So like you mentioned, Alex, wait, wait, one more thing. Yeah. We can't go without mentioning the kid. That came for Herbers. Oh, that's that true. is a that was a Ronan McCraney actually. That was Finn Mc, uh, Pat McCraney's son. I don't know if you oh. guys knew that. I did not. It's cute. Yeah. So that's that's the media connection with this. Yeah. Um. So like you mentioned, Alex, you know, no big surprise that he scored. And I honestly was honestly unfazed by this. The way that we were playing, I knew something would happen. In the fifty-fifth minute, uh, Brian Gutierrez was subbed off for Marin Halasalase. Apparently, there was it was for a precaution. There was something going on in his knee, so they wanted to take him off. It was at that moment where Arai was shouting, "What are you doing? We're not going to win anymore. You take off our best player." Um, and Marin Halasalase heard Arai all the way from one twenty-four and said, "And that's when I took it personally." Because Marin just unbelievable. I mean, look, in this game, according to the official stats that the league provided, Haile Selassie had 14 touches. 14. He played 30 minutes plus stoppage time. 40 minutes, excuse me. And he had 14 touches. But talk about making the most of those 14 touches. Every single touch he had was electric. And he just, this was like all the things that we liked about Marin just concentrated into 30 minutes of a game. Like the speed that he had, his ability to like get into the box, like somehow defenders don't see him sometimes in a way that I'm like, okay, but the guy just scored on you. Like you should definitely know where he is after that, right? Like if that's not a wake up call for you, like you should probably come up with some kind of a sport to play other than professional soccer. But yeah, like what, like, what a great performance from him. Yeah, absolutely. A moment, a moment for Fabian Herbers, by the way. On the first Marin Haile Selassie goal in the 62nd minute, Fabian Herbers' assist was Messi-esque vision. It was like Messi was not there. Some were there to watch Fabian Herbers, not to watch Messi. Well, I wasn't sure if I was watching Herbers or Messi because that pass on goal number two for the fire was just wow. That vision was ridiculous. I did not know Fabi had that in his locker. He had, he had one of the games of his life. And he, like playing at that, one of the things that I said about Fabi is that he's a better player off the bench than he is going the full 90 because 
you just can't maintain that level of intensity for that long. And that's basically what he did. And he, his head was so in the game. He was able to get back and make smart defensive plays at different points. Like looking through my notes, like he comes up a lot. He's just, he's another, like so many people had really good games. Yeah. Uh, in the moment that he, between the moment he came on and the moment he actually scored, there were two very close Miami chances that basically both of them whizzed past the post, one past the left, the other one past the right. That was a little bit of a wake up call, I guess, for the fire. They were like, okay, we're okay with giving Miami possession, but now it's getting a bit too close. Um, that was the only 10 minutes of the game that I, I really thought that Miami was clearly acting like a team that was trying to win the game and mm-hmm. was the better team. I, I thought that after the after the tying goal up until Marin's goal was the only time that I, I think that it felt like things were not really kind of like going more or less according to the Fires game plan. Yep. Uh, but it was at that, that moment, like I said, that... Um, it's that moment where we overfed them with possession. They got uncomfortable and we took uh, advantage of that. And by we, I mean, Marin Halle Selassie robbed Robert Taylor with the ball as he was trying, as he was going backwards towards his own third. Uh, he takes the shot, which was deflected. But luckily, since the fire know that we have to have three, four players in the attacking third in order for something to happen, Fabi was there. He saw Marin coming back to make sure that he was onside, played it through to him, second touch off his right foot, once again, right past the keeper, making it 2-1. Incredible. And I mean, like getting a brace inside of like three minutes, four minutes, like it's just insane. You know, like, like, like I said, all the things that we, we know that Marin can do, the speed, the quickness was there. Dumbia also, like, that's an end. I don't think we've mentioned him at all this game. I thought he had an incredible game um, from the get-go, like, taking a strategic foul early in the game, like, to assisting on this goal. He was I mean, in the, so the many Lugano, places. The Lugano connection there between Marin and Dumbia on the third goal, I mean, these are yep. two guys who, like, like I said before, played together in Lugano for a couple of months, and when Marin was here and Dumbia was still in Lugano, they were still in contact. They were still talking over WhatsApp. And then eventually, Dumbia makes the move here. Um, and that partnership, I mean, they combine for a goal. And Haile Selassie scores two, two goals in four minutes. His first two-goal game of the season. Yeah, And, and- uh, can't think of a better moment for him, especially coming off the bench to do it within 11 minutes of coming on. And like y'all mentioned, it was with Dumbia who made the run uh, thanks to a pass from Fabi Herbers in the midfield through him. It, the shot goes forward. It goes past, like goes past, like at first, I, you know, at first I thought the pass was going to go and hit Yenlin, um, but he sticks out his leg. He whiffs it. It goes straight to Marin, lifts up his left leg, first touch, bottom right corner, 3-1. Beauty. Cool. Just Absolute great beauty. beauty and filth, really, honestly. Just, it just... Chef's kiss moment right there. Bellissima uh, for that goal. And of course, that game was not yet over as we but had one that's more another goal. Just one more thing about that goal. That's another mm-hmm. game where Kutsias was involved. And if you'll see, like he's dragging people with him. So even though he didn't end up on the score sheet, he 
was very involved in making the goals happen because he's giving time and space for other people to actually go in and finish it, which is one of the things that you want your forward to be able to do. Yeah, like I mentioned, when there's more people in the box, they're not only there for you know different positions where they can take a shot on, they are taking away attention from the other players that are there. That's something that's happened for pretty much all of the goals. Afterwards, soon right after, pass was made to Katsper Shibuko, who immediately saw that Shakiri was onside and in a position to make a run for it. Um, so, oh, actually, it wasn't uh, Katsper. It was, I'm pretty sure it was Gaston who yoinked the ball from midfield, made the play through to Shakiri. Shakiri going past two players to the right side of the post and then the back of the net. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, that last goal was vintage Shakiri. Mm-hmm. That is what he's known for, that kind of a goal. Obviously, he does have that spectacular, the long shot, the bicycle kick, whatever. But if it's not that, if you look at the majority of the goals in his career, there's something like that. Finding space, going right into it, and taking a rip when he sees the opening. And again, uh, Shakiri, I can't reinforce this enough, he has not been a success in his two years for the most part in Chicago. Well, he but, hasn't earned he hasn't earned his pay, which it's right. not really his but, fault with what he can get paid. But I'm going to quote, I mean, a commentary which you know Sergio Busquets and Lionel Messi were on the other end of 11 years ago. I'm just going to change it slightly. I mean, 8 million dollars have been repaid in 24 minutes right there. Like the last 18 months have been forgotten in in 24 minutes because uh, I mean, the amount of Fans, they're going to come back because of how well the fire played and how amazing an experience it was on and off the field, but in this case, on the field, because of how freaking good Shakiri was and how much he changed the game and showed. I think he earned his pay in that one game alone, at least from a financial standpoint and what money the club could be earning back in the future because of how many people are going to come back. So so $9.5 million in revenue, apparently, from the game, which is an MLS record for a regular season match. Um, Shakiri's salary is $8 million a year. So for this year, that basically lines up. He's done it. We'll, you know, see about, you know, future years. But you're right. Like that goal was just like it, the body position. Something about that exact body position. It's like Shakiri's closest thing to like the Michael Jordan jump man pose. Like his body going, like going across, like doing like the full sort of like swing, like putting every single inch all of the muscles and Shakiri is basically just like a, a big ball of muscles that grew ahead, like into that. And that's what happened on that last goal. Tiny calves. All right. So of course this is a game that we will be thinking back for years and years to come. I've watched, I think the recap, I think at least 20 times today. And I have berated my kids with just can't get enough uh, as they were walking to my classroom today. So The good news, of course, the best news out of all this is that we are in the playoff hunt. The Fire are now in 8th place, and if they can win as well as get some help on Saturday, we are in the postseason. And of course, the way that has to happen is, one, we have to win against Charlotte. That's one. Two of the the three have to happen. NYCFC have to lose or draw to D.C., uh, and why RB has to lose or draw to Toronto and Montreal has to lose or draw to Portland. Those two of those three things have to happen. 
Um, like mentioned, we are now in eighth above Montreal, NYC, DC, uh, Red Bull, Charlotte, and Miami. Of course, we have two games remaining, one at home, which is happening very soon against Charlotte, as we mentioned, as well as away at the home of the Mets on decision day. So it's possible. It seems oh, very it's, close. It's very possible. I mean, look, Charlotte's the team that, if you guys remember, eliminated the fire from postseason contention last year in very heartbreaking fashion. That was Gaga Slonina's final game in a Chicago Fire shirt at Soldier Field, and Charlotte FC scored a last-minute winning goal. And if you remember what happened with Shakiri too, Shakiri asked to come off with the game 2-2 late in the game. This is yep. a huge opportunity, not just to clinch postseason spot, or at least put yourself in an extremely favorable position going into the last game. This is an opportunity to avenge the most heartbreaking moment of last season as well. So this is a huge game. Win this game, you're basically in. Um, get help from other where you might be officially in. Um, again, sadly, I'll be watching this one from the television set, but for those who are going to be there, be loud. Um, it's really important because the Fire haven't made the playoffs since 2017. And also, the Fire haven't won a playoff game since 2009. And if you finish 8th place and not ninth, you're hosting a playoff game. And you can win a playoff game in Major League Soccer for the first time since before Frank Klopas was the coach the first time. Yeah, that's that's really part of the story here. The Fire have been in, from a situation where they were on the outside looking in to suddenly being potentially hosting a home playoff game. And that's the beauty of this new format. Like, there's a lot of things I don't really like about expanding the playoffs to nine teams. But the idea that, like, a team like the Fire that have had a, a season that had a lot of ups and downs, like maybe some more downs than really you'd expect a playoff team to have, but suddenly being able to come and do this is just phenomenal and uh, i mean hopefully there will be a really good crowd there I, I know a lot of people that i've talked to that like i said do you want to go to the game on saturday um and they like they're coming because they had a good time on wednesday or they knew someone that did 100 percent. and like you mentioned alex be loud i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be loud and proud and same thing i'm bringing friends as well as my girlfriend she's gonna be at her first fire game um, so I'm super excited and we're all going to be extremely loud and proud. Get revenge, you know, get into the playoffs and get revenge. That's the goal for this Saturday against Charlotte, who they themselves are coming off a win, except it's against Toronto, who are, you know, they're having a season I mean, of their I, own. I think that, like, it's quite possible that the four of us could get, like, four or five friends together and still beat Toronto, even if we were playing with, like, nine or ten guys. Legitimately. Um, so, and before that, the four games before that were two losses and two draws. They sit below us in 13th on 36, um, on 36 points, uh, um, and a goal differential of, uh, minus 10, you know, ours is minus nine, but that's, you know, beside the point. They've also let, they've also allowed 50 goals against, which is two more than the fire, but it's the way that they've allowed them. Um, they've played really well for a couple stretches in the season, and then it's just things have fallen apart. And it, it seems like Charlotte are starting to realize, or at least the fans in Charlotte are starting to realize that this is the team's level. They just do not have some of the pieces that they really need to be a, a consistent playoff team in this league. Um, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They were 
mocking there were Charlotte fans at the game in Chicago at Soldier Field last year, mocking the fire for not being a playoff team because they were in like something like fifth or sixth spot. And they eventually fell out of the contention and missed the playoffs themselves. And it looks like that's likely to happen again. A fire win would pretty much guarantee that they uh that they are out. I, I think it actually may mathematically do it as long as another team gets any team above them gets a win. Yeah. Um, of course, there's a few things um, that we can talk, talk about. Of course, we mentioned that this is the final home game of the season. Um, one question that we have is, can Shakiri maintain his form? Um, you know, this is right before an international break as well. So a few players, including him, will be flying out to represent their national team. So, Including um, someone that you care about, Alan? Anyone in particular? Oh, oh, yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> Karol Świderski um, is also he got called up to the Polish national team. Kamil Juzwiak, the other pole in Charlotte, didn't. So an interesting case. But, you know, Świderski did get the call up as well. And this is why I was trying to feed it to you that way, because I was not going to say his name that way. And I <laughs> wanted you to say it. So I didn't have yeah. to. Yeah, no. I, if, if it were me saying it, I'd be saying Karol Swiderski, which is not right. <laughs> It's okay. It's, it's okay. That's why I'm it's here. It's the Chicago. It's the Chicago way to do it. I mean, it's okay. I'm Polish, so I'll do it the Polish well, way. Since since we're talking about Poland, before we before we wrap up, can I just drop a little thing about Poland? Um, what about Poland? So post game, Jordan Shakiri had his uh, mixed zone interview. Um, obviously, lots of media there. Very unusual, high amount of media. Um, so Jordan Shakiri was in a very cheery mood, understandably, for his mixed zone interview. And uh, once the initial obvious questions about the game got out of the way some other media members were asking some questions just general stuff about mls about him about some of his former teammates and all that and one question came up if you could if you could bring any player to fire who would it be uh and he said i don't want to say a player but i can call up any of my old teammates and talk to them or whatever and someone was saying, oh, from what country, from what country do you want to bring a player from? And he said, well, I can't say right now, but I can call anybody from Brazil to Switzerland or anything in between. And I said, what about Poland? Obviously, if we know uh, Bayern Munich, we know who I'm talking about. And uh, he uh, said, yes. Is, is yes, it perhaps Poland. Lewandowski? Yes, Poland, Poland, yes. <laughs> wink, wink. Shakiri. <laughs> Lewandowski. So, oh, I mean, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah, come on, guys. It's pretty obvious that we're all talking about Wojciech so, Szczęsny, the goalkeeper. No, I'm kidding. Of course, it's I'm Lewandowski. writing down in my notes, Alex confirms Robert Lewandowski to Chicago Fire 2024. <laughs> Let's go. This is fantastic news. Of course, uh, our previous meeting with Charlotte was all the way back in May. Um, that was also where our poll that we currently have, Katzberg Przybyłka, scored, unfortunately, scored. Uh, Cambridge scored two on top of that to make it 2-1 for Charlotte. So, um, yes, Alex. I have two quick shout-outs. Okay. Two quick shout-outs before we wrap up. One, uh, on the Polish theme, Zremislav Frankowski, game-winning assist against Arsenal in the Champions League. Shout-out to Frankie. Number two, I mean, it's not Polish, but uh, Velko Paunovic, new coach of Almeria in La Liga. Interesting. All I'm going to say. Bravo to our 
our ex-fire members, especially uh, Przemysław Frankowski. He definitely has really picked it up over in France as well as in Europe. And especially against Arsenal, that's that's just double the points. So um, He deserve, is, deserves to have his fire legacy revoked for that. What do you mean? Oh, come on. You're the only one that here that thinks that. <laughs> So yeah, and also yeah, DJ. Also, you you mentioned um, there's another way the fire can also technic that there's another thing that the fire can happen in terms of uh, table position. If the fire win out the rest of the season and Nashville loses their next few games, they can technically just advance directly to facing Orlando, or right now it would be Orlando, but whoever the second team is, they would skip the wild card and go to the next round. Personally, I would rather have the home playoff game and not just go straight to facing Oscar Perez Orlando, particularly when he's going to be very motivated because his contract has still not been renewed. So he has every reason to try to do what he can to showcase himself to both Orlando and every other team. I mean, basically around the world, he doesn't have to stay in MLS, but yeah, the guy cool. will get a gig somewhere. What are the odds that if the Fire do manage to go up against Orlando, that the Fire get knocked out by Orlando and then next year Oscar Perea is coaching the fire. I would love to see Oscar Perea coaching the fire, but that's a conversation for a different time. Yeah. Um maybe that different yeah, that's a different time. Different time. We've uh, we we've had a good podcast. We originally thought we were going to do only like 30 minutes, you know, a little quick review, but of course it can't be quick for a, such a historic game. So um, And and by the way, one more home game. Like this is going to be a fun game. Like the weather is not going to be as warm. So like layer a little bit, but it's not going to be cold. Like they're on a sweater. It, it just seems like just the vibes around the team seem to be incredibly positive right now. And I think that it, it really could be another special night. And I think there's a lot of people that had a good time on Wednesday that bought tickets for Saturday. And so it could really be a fun time. So yeah. if you're on the fence, I say like, go buy a ticket. I think it should bring, be and bring friends and family too. Bring, everyone, bring you know, people. Like, Everyone you know. carry that momentum from the Miami game. Get more people into it. Keep them going. Because then they'll come back next year. Maybe they'll go to a playoff game, fingers crossed. Who knows? Friends, family, maybe, like, if you're commuting and you're, like, on the train or, like, like just say, hey, Spread you want to go word. to a fire game with me? Could be your new best friend. Could be your future spouse. You never know. Legitimately, you never know. So... Uh, Alex, DJ, Tim, thank you once again for joining on the Men in Red 97 podcast. Thank you, the listener, for listening. And if you've made it all the way this way, why don't you press follow, support us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as check out meninred97.com. All the podcasts, all the articles, post, pre-analysis, everything is there, especially from our two writers that are on this call, Alex and Tim. And of course, lads, what else to say other than come on, you men in red. <laughs>